Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. I'm an above average home cook on a mission to help you elevate your everyday meals from ordinary to extraordinary. Aren't you tired of making the same boring meals every week? Well, I've got just the podcast for you. Every Monday episode will inspire you with new and diverse recipes. Together, we'll uncover the dish's rich history, we'll break down the ingredients, and talk through the step-by-step cooking process. Whether you're new to cooking or just looking for some weekly recipe inspo, this is the show for you. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms at The HCG Podcast for additional cooking inspo and show updates. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell, and this is our Valentine's Day episode all about love. And that is my love for roasting chickens. The Home Cook's Guide is coming in hot to save your Valentine's Day dinner from being bland and boring to something a little bit sexy and fun. I'm not sure if other people think roasting a chicken is sexy, but I sure do. So that is what we're going with for our Valentine's Day meal. We will be making what they call engagement chicken, which is basically a foolish name for a simple roasted chicken served alongside a silky onion lemon gravy. There is some lore around this chicken recipe itself, which is why it is deemed the engagement chicken. Supposedly, Meghan Markle made it for Harry and it, quote, swept him off his feet, which frankly seems kind of easy to me because I do believe he is a total dunce. I didn't read that mess of a memoir, but it is for free on Spotify audiobooks, so if I have 15 hours to spare, maybe I'll give it a listen. Also, actress Emily Blunt made this for John Krasinski, and it also supposedly led to an engagement. And if a chicken is good enough for Jim Halpert, it's good enough for me and better be good enough for my damn boyfriend. I believe this chicken's power to lock down your partner comes from the perceived complexity of making a whole bird for someone. Most people generally don't cook full birds outside of turkey on Thanksgiving, so seeing someone that you love make you a full bird on a random Saturday night can really come off as an act of love. Little does your partner know that roasting a whole chicken is deceptively easy, but that could be our little secret. Disclaimer, I have made this recipe at least four times for my boyfriend, and the dinners have yet to end in an engagement. But frankly, you know, I hope there are other qualities in me that are more important to my partner than my ability to roast a chicken. But we will unpack that in next week's episode, so be sure to tune in and subscribe. (laughs) So this recipe is from the one and only Ina Garten, who is known for making her husband Jeffrey a roasted chicken every Friday night. That is very chic, and that is now going to be a new tradition in my household as well. This recipe is super simple and allows you to really taste the chicken's succulent flavor. I have been burned too many times by overly seasoning a roast chicken, and they end up really losing that distinctive chicken flavor underneath a mountain of paprika and this and that and whatever else I'm putting on top of it. Don't worry, we'll be making some very fun roasted chicken recipes in the future, but as I've mentioned in our last few episodes, we have to master the basics before we dabble in trickier recipes. This recipe can be found at the link in the show notes. This recipe will take about an hour and 45 minutes, start to finish, between your prepping, roasting, letting the birds sit, and carving. A four to five pound chicken like we'll be making today is perfect for two people, but can also stretch to three people if you are in a thruple. There is no judgment here on the Home Cook's Guide. Well, let's jump right into it. So we will need, first and foremost, a four to five pound whole roasting chicken. 
And you could take the bird out of the plastic or the packaging that you purchased it in. And we're going to want to make sure we drain any of those miscellaneous chicken juices out of the package. And then we'll put it onto a cutting board. I generally use plastic cutting boards when I'm dealing with raw meat just because the meat juices will seep into a wooden cooking board faster and may linger on those cutting boards a little bit longer than on a plastic one. Chicken is actually not a bird that needs to be rinsed before cooking. There's a lot of conversations around this, and my Real Housewives of Beverly Hills girlies know that Adrienne Maloof once tried to wash her chicken with hand soap, uh, which is just utterly disgusting. Please don't do that. Please don't be like that foolish Nepo baby. But washing or rinsing a chicken actually doesn't remove any risk or quote-unquote clean the bird. It actually worsens it by helping bacteria spread at a faster rate. So when you add water when washing or rinsing raw meat, you give these bacteria a way to travel throughout your kitchen a lot faster. So, of course, if you see anything on the bird that you want to get rid of, you could just wipe that off with a clean paper towel and then wash your hands or any other surfaces that the raw chicken will be touching just with some hot water and some soap. And also, we're going to be cooking this chicken to 165 Fahrenheit, so that will kill any of the dangerous bacteria, making it completely safe to eat. So don't overthink it, people. So you've got your beautiful bird on your cutting board. Now there might be something that you don't want to address, which is called the giblets. And that is the stuff on the inside of the chicken. This can skeeve you, and that is completely understandable. But close your eyes and rip it out. It'll be over in about four seconds, and then you can squeal and shimmy and be disgusted, but it's fine. We are adults here. We are expanding our cooking horizons, which means you're going to have to touch some chicken livers. <laughs> so the giblets itself contain the chicken's heart, liver, and gizzards of the chicken. The giblets themselves usually contain the chicken's heart, the liver, and the gizzards of the chicken carcass. And even just saying that sentence sounds utterly disgusting. It's kind of like my version of saying moist. I don't understand why people think that word is so disgusting, but I feel like giblets and chicken heart, livered, and gizzards is my moist. This is my podcast, and I'll say whatever I want. <laughs> so the giblets themselves aren't really going to be cooked within our bird, so we're going to want to take those out and put them to the side. We'll discuss different ways you could use them later in the show. So now that we got that out of the way, we will take a paper towel and we're going to pat dry the chicken all over. We want to make sure the bottom's dry because the less moisture on the outside, the better. That will just help the chicken when it's browning in the oven. And that's literally it. That is how you take a bird out of the packaging and get it ready to be eaten. Of course, we're going to do a little seasoning and whatnot, but we will get there. So we're going to need some kosher salt and some freshly ground pepper. Queen Ina Garten doesn't give any specifics on how much to use, but we're going to be using our gut to just season the bird thoroughly. So I would say, again, if you're new to this, and trusting your gut in cooking is still something you're not comfortable with. I've told my boyfriend, please add some salt to something, and the pinch he pinches is about 18 grains of salt, and I'm gonna, like, we're going to have to quadruple that. We're going to need a lot more. Salt goes a long way, but we're going <laughs> to need a lot more. So we're going to need to be seasoning on the inside and the outside of the bird. And so I'd say about two teaspoons of salt within the bird and then one and a half tablespoons all outside the bird. And we're going to get all the crevices. You're going to move a wing. You're going to pick up a little leg. You want to make sure that your bird is fully seasoned, tipped to taint. 
Oh my God. I cannot believe I said that. And then we're going to need some ground pepper, coarse, freshly ground pepper. In a pepper mill is always perfect. And if that's the case, we're going to want to kind of crank it a couple times on the inside. And then we're going to want to make sure that the outside is just thoroughly covered in pepper. Again, this isn't an apoive roasted chicken, which kind of sounds amazing. But let's not go too crazy with the pepper. Use your best judgment. This is your chicken. If you don't like pepper a lot, hold back. If you're not crazy on salt, hold back. You can do whatever you'd like. This is your chicken. If so, if you're using ground pepper, I would say use about a teaspoon or so on the outside and half a teaspoon on the inside. Again, use your best judgment. Then we will need two lemons. And so both of our lemons will be quartered. So we're going to want to cut the lemon in half lengthwise instead of widthwise. And then we'll cut the lemon halves in the middle to get quarters. So each lemon should give you four quarters. We're going to be putting two of those quarters in the bird, and then the remaining six will be roasted along with our bird and then used to make the, the succulent gravy. Then we will need one whole head of garlic. And so that is the full garlic head. That's not one of the little cloves within the head. So we're going to be wanting to take that garlic head, and we're going to keep the skin and everything fully intact, and we're basically going to want to cut horizontally across the head so that the bulbs are visible. Again, this doesn't have to be a perfect science here. You may have a bulb or two pop out while you're cutting it, and that's completely fine. This is just going inside the chicken's cavity. The garlic and lemon itself will kind of steam within the bird, which will then impart flavor to the meat. It's science, baby. It's amazing. And so, again, it doesn't have to be a perfect science, and if you don't have a garlic head and you're just using a minced garlic that you already have, uh, it's not necessarily the same vibe. Maybe you could put a little bit of minced garlic in there, but it's not going to do the same thing as putting the full head of garlic in there. And again, we're keeping the skins on. And we love that in our as we continually strive to decrease our food waste. Then we will need some, quote, good olive oil. And we love Ina Garten's elitist ass on this podcast. I do love her saying we need good olive oil, but frankly, use whatever olive oil you have, good or bad. She doesn't really measure how much you need, but we'll just want to make sure that we have enough to basically bathe the bird in oil. And we'll also be using that good olive oil for our lemon and onion mixture. I would say assume about two tablespoons for the bird and about one to two tablespoons for the onion and lemon mixture. Then we will need two Spanish onions. She calls for Spanish onions, which are just a large, sweet, juicy onion and with colors ranging from yellow to red. And Spanish onions themselves have more of a mild and sweet flavor, but any kind of yellow onion, shallot, or white onion would be perfect here. I haven't tried this specific recipe with a red onion, but I have roasted other whole chickens with red onions scattered around the bird. And they are absolutely delicious, so whatever onion you have will work perfectly in this recipe. So we're going to remove the skin from the onions, and we're going to cut the onion in half lengthwise, and then we're just going to cut thick slices. Again, doesn't have to be a perfect science, but we do want beautiful, long, thick onion slices. We are not chopping those. We want them to be long and fully intact. Then we will need a half a cup of dry white wine. I always cook with whatever white wine I have. I usually have some dregs of a Pinot Grigio or a Sauvignon Blanc in my fridge, maybe even an unoaked Chardonnay. And 
F you to the haters of Chardonnay. You guys just haven't had good Chardonnay. But that's for another episode. <laughs> then we will need half a cup of chicken stock. Ina, coming in hot with her elitism, says, comma, preferably homemade. So, of course, homemade is always amazing. And obviously, if you hear this show, you know I'm obsessed with making various different types of beef, veggie, chicken, turkey stocks, whatever whatever carcass I have, I will make a stock out of it. But we're going to need about half a cup. And so you could either use something that you already have in your freezer. You could use stock from a box or you could use a bouillon cube, whatever you have. Or even better than bouillon. Then we will need one tablespoon of all-purpose flour. And this will just be used as our thickening agent for our gravy. That is truly it. You will see this comes together very quickly and is quite impressive when you see it beautifully displayed on your dining table. This recipe is the gift that keeps on giving. So after we take all of our meat off the bird... We'll be left with a beautiful chicken carcass that can go directly into your freezer along with the garlic and lemon that's inside of the carcass and that could be used for a future stock along with any other aromatic scraps that you may have already collected from future episodes. So we'll also be able to put our onion peels in that stock compost as well. Again, the giblets, as we mentioned earlier, the elephant in the room, um, they can also be added to a stock as well. But we're going to want to keep the liver out because it can give the stock somewhat of a bitter flavor. I don't really F with liver. Uh, So I just throw it out. But I hear you can pan fry it with some garlic and then spread it on some toast for a yummy little liver treat. That's not what I call a treat. But you do you. Honestly, I feel like if I was at a restaurant and they gave me a chicken liver spread, I would absolutely love it. But who knows? I actually don't like foie gras, which is duck liver mousse. And so that's the only liver (laughs) that I'm privy to. And it's not for me. The liver is not for me. So do what you want with your liver. If you need to throw your liver out, if you want to throw the giblets out in the garbage, go off. I won't tell. It's, It's pretty disgusting. If I do say so myself. (laughs) We won't have any waste coming from our lemons because we'll be eating that and using those peels within our gravy. And other than that, we might have a little bit of leftover wine, but if you're asking me, pour yourself a glass and celebrate your delicious dinner and your possible engagement or non-engagement. Or just make this for yourself and propose to yourself at the end of the night because you're so goddamn proud. So let's get to the cooking part. That's always the fun part, and this recipe itself is so simple that you will be beating yourself up that you've never done it in the past. I have a really lovely coworker who was shocked and appalled that I would ever make a whole roasted chicken, and she was one of the reasons why I thought I had to start my show with a roasted chicken recipe because it really is so simple, and it's really a beautifully nourishing meal. A big chicken, you know, lightly seasoned with a little gravy – That's health and wellness to me. So first things first, we are going to preheat our oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit. Then, as I mentioned, we want to make sure that that chicken is padded dry with a paper towel so that we could season it with salt and pepper on both the inside and the outside. Again, we want to make sure we take those giblets out of the bird. Don't be like Carmela Soprano thinking about your Italian lover and forgetting to remove the inside giblets. We cannot let that happen, people. And if it does happen, it's okay. Just take it out and pretend it didn't happen. 
Nobody has to know what happens in the kitchen other than you. Then we will put the bird onto our baking sheet, roasting pan, or oven-safe skillet, whatever you're using to cook it in. So we just want to make sure that we're roasting the chicken in a pan that's large enough to also fit the onions and the lemons, and that it's not too tight and cramped in there. We do not want to cramp an onion style. Absolutely not. <laughs> so we will stick the bird right in the middle of whatever we're cooking our dish in, and then we will decorate the pan with the rest of our lemon and onions. There is a conversation when it comes to birds, to trust or not to trust. That is the question. And so trussing refers to the technique of tying both of the chicken legs together with some twine. And so that just ensures that the wings and the legs stay close to the bird's body. And so when you do choose, if you do choose to truss your bird, it will brown more beautifully and evenly. And I will say, I have trust, I have not trust, and I have found no difference. So it's completely up to you. And if you have the patience to do one more step, why not? It's not going to adjust cooking time at all. But if you want to do that, go off. If you don't want to do it, again, I'm not telling and you'll be totally fine. When I was taking notes on this recipe again, I completely forgot to trust it and and the bird came out perfectly. So completely up to you. It does add a little bit of an elevated look, which sometimes we need to channel our in food stylist and we want to make it look even more beautiful. But again, sometimes we're just trying to put a meal on the table. We can't be thinking about twine and trussing. <laughs> no, not today, Satan. Now we are ready to stuff that bird's cavity with our yummy lemon and garlic. So we are just going to stick two of those lemon quarters inside the cavity along with both the halves of our heads of garlic. And as I mentioned, it doesn't have to be a perfect science. Some might be sticking out and that's completely okay. The more the merrier in that little cavity. And this might not, and this isn't in the recipe, but if you have some celery or herbs or carrots that really need to be used up, this is a good way to use them up. You can just shove them in there and it will just help to make the meat even more tender and flavorful. So at this point, our bird is seasoned, stuffed, and ready to go. <laughs> so we will take out the sliced onions and the remaining six lemon quarters and we're going to put those into a bowl with about two tablespoons of that olive oil about a teaspoon of salt and about half a teaspoon of pepper and we're just going to mix that together so it gets a nice coating and the chicken itself will excrete delicious chicken fat and juices while it's cooking so the onions and the lemons will also be soaking up those juices as well Nothing should ever be swimming in oil. So again, use your discretion. If you're finding that one tablespoon isn't enough, do another half a tablespoon and then work your way up to two. Again, these types of the intuition when it comes to cooking will come with time and experience. But let's just stick to the recipe while we're getting the hang of all of this stuff. So from there, we will then nestle our onions and lemons around our little bird on the plate or skillet. It's going to be looking lovely. And then you will take that olive oil and you'll coat the entire bird with it. And again, we're not trying to drown the poor thing. It's already dead. But we do want to make sure that it has a beautiful glaze of oil on the outside. And that is it. Other than that, our little easy gravy and possibly a side dish, we are absolutely done with the hard part. So at this point, I usually call my boyfriend over and say, come look. And he's like, oh, wow, <laughs> raw bird with a bunch of onions and lemons. 
I like to make my partner see the whole spectrum, see where we started and then see where we end to make these people grateful for, (laughs) to make him feel grateful for all the things I do. I made a raw chicken turn into a stunning, beautifully browned chicken in an hour and a half. What can I do? This is a billboard for an engagement. (laughs) So at this point, our oven should be at 425, and we can get ready to put the bird into the oven. And so we're going to want to strategically place the pan in the oven so that the chicken's breast is towards the back of the oven. And so this ensures that our bird will definitely have cooked breast because there is truly nothing worse than a raw chicken breast. I have been there. I have done that, and I will not do that to you. I remember one million years ago, I was a senior in college, and that's kind of when I started cooking and getting really into it, and I invited my brother over for a dinner, and I was making a chicken, and I don't know what happened, but I literally think I just seared it on the stovetop, and, you know, it was gorgeous. I was like, oh, seven minutes each side. It's beautiful. You know, look at this gorgeous crust, and we all sat down. We had our wine. We had some sides, obviously some bread. And we all got into the chicken. And it was entirely raw on the inside. So I have learned tips and tricks on how to make that never happen again. And I will impart that to you, my beautiful, loyal listeners. So now we've got our bird in the oven. And we'll just stick her in there and let her bake for about an hour and 15 minutes. And this is a great recipe because, again, you're not using that many pots and pans to get us to this point. So in the hour and 15 minutes that you have between putting it into the stove and taking it out, you can make side dishes. You could do your dishes. You could do your laundry. You could do whatever the hell you need to do. You could take a Zoom call, whatever you need to do. But, <laughs> but we've got some time. But I didn't have this issue when I was making this dish, but I saw that some of the commentators on this recipe mentioned that their onions started burning a little bit after 30 minutes so maybe at the 30 minute mark check how the onions are doing and if you're noticing that they're burning a little bit you could add maybe a little bit of chicken stock or water to the bottom of the pan just to keep them from burning for the rest of the cooking time so once the bird has been in the oven for about an hour and 15 minutes we'll want to take the meat thermometer and stick it into the breast portion of the chicken and we want to make sure that it's around 163 to 165. If it's not fully at 165 but again we're hitting 162, 163 that's completely fine and we could take the bird out. It will continue to cook while the bird is resting and we always want to make sure that we let the bird rest for about 10 to 15 minutes after we take it out of the oven or else we run the risk of all of the juicy liquids within the bird spilling out immediately. We want to give it a little bit of time so that it could firm up a little bit and not just be a juice explosion on your cutting board. But before I put it onto the cutting board, I generally tip the bird over a little bit to get those juices that have been developing inside of the bird back into the pan because that pan and all of the juices and onions and lemons there will be used to make our delicious gravy. So I generally tip it over a little bit, and then from there I stick it onto a cutting board, and I let it rest for about 10 minutes, and I cover it with foil or whatever I have around just to make sure that it stays warm while we're then making the gravy and letting the bird rest for a bit. So this gravy comes together so quickly. 
We'll want to do a little bit of recon of the onions and the lemons. You may notice that a few of the onions are burnt to no return. So you can put those aside and not use them in the gravy. Or you can in include them in the gravy, but it possibly can impart some kind of a burnt taste to the gravy. So again, use your best judgment. You can also just eat one. And if you find that it's kind of caramelized and delicious, then that's a go. Put it in the gravy. But if it's totally burnt, just chuck it or put it into your compost. Not for stock, though, because we don't want that burnt flavor then being imparted onto our stock. It's a domino effect, people. So once we've done our recon, we'll want to pour in that half a cup of wine and the half a cup of chicken broth in there. And this liquid will be a huge tool in helping the little chicken and onion and lemon bits that have stuck to the pan release. So those bits that we'll be scraping up with a fish spatula or whatever kind of tool that you have will really impart a lot of flavor into our gravy. We don't leave any crumb left behind here on the Home Cook's Guide. We want to make sure we're scraping up the bits on the bottom of that pan and utilizing every last ingredient that we have. We all work hard. Groceries are expensive, so I want to make sure that I'm getting the most out of every single thing I purchase. And that goes for clothing, that goes for everything in my life, but most importantly, with food. I'm very fortunate that I can buy groceries, delicious groceries, healthy groceries, constantly, but I understand not everybody's like that. So if you are even more frugal with your money right now, then you have to be even more conscious of making sure you're getting the most bang for your buck. And so from here... I'll get off my soapbox and we'll add one tablespoon of flour into our mixture. And so this is the moment I start to get very excited because if you know me, you know I love gravy. This is a very exciting moment for me in the process as you see it starting to thicken up and turn into a perfect silky sauce to accompany our chicken. So if you're noticing the gravy isn't as thick as you want it, you can add another teaspoon of flour until you get that desired thickness. But don't go too crazy, of course, because gravy will firm up with time. And so if it's a little bit runny at first, it will naturally thicken up by the time you're done cutting your chicken and when you're ready to serve your meat. And so it's up to you at this point if you choose to keep the onions and the lemon in the gravy or if you want to strain them out. Again, I read some comments on the internet that said that the lemons were a little bit bitter to some people. So if you feel that way or you're not interested then remove them if you like. But I believe in the power of a perfect bite, which means everything on my plate should be effortlessly eaten together in a single bite. On my fork, I want to have a piece of chicken, gravy, lemon, and onion in every bite. That is how I eat every meal forever. And whatever my side dish is, I also probably want that on my fork as well. But we'll get there. And now it is time to carve the bird. We have our beautiful gravy waiting in the wings. And if this is your first time carving a chicken, don't be scared or nervous. So if you're cooking for your lover or your friends or just yourself, nobody cares if your chicken is not perfectly cut and displayed for them like you are a food stylist at Bon Appetit magazine. They'll just be grateful that they didn't have to make dinner. So don't forget that. Uh, that's across every recipe ever. The first few times carving a chicken might be a little bit intimidating, but grab the proverbial chicken by the horns and get to carving. Since our bird is already on our cutting board, you're going to start working through carving the thighs, the legs, the breast, and then ultimately the wings. And so I'm not going to go too much into it on this show because, frankly, describing how to carve a chicken in an auditory platform, I feel like is just a waste of both of our time. So I will link to a great visual reference in our show notes on how to carve a bird it is so simple once you see the beats. And again, we just want to make sure that we're being delicate, especially with those breasts. 
we want to be delicate with the breast people. And that goes, that goes across the board. But we want to be really mindful of that delicious, crispy skin staying on the breast as we're cutting it. Again, I will post in the show notes a great visual reference for carving a chicken. And so at this point, our chicken is carved, our gravy is warm and ready to be served, and now we are ready to serve your lover, our guests, again, or yourself, or your imaginary friend. Who the hell cares? So this dish is obviously amazing on its own, but there is nothing a roast chicken loves more than a little side dish. So of course, you can't go wrong with green beans and mashed potatoes, which is très française, or in the summer, I love pairing a roasted chicken with a panzanella salad because I only want to eat a salad if there is cheese and or bread involved. And you can, or you could pair it with roasted or smashed potatoes in the winter for something a little heartier. My sister-in-law introduced me to an amazing snap pea and feta salad a few months ago from the New York Times that I feel like would also be a crunchy and fresh side dish to this classic roasted chicken. This chicken lives up to its name. You may even want to propose to the chicken itself and not even your partner. It's that damn good. This specific roast chicken is succulent and juicy and will really allow for you to taste the chicken flavor because it's not overpowered by spices and sauces. The chicken is really shining here. This is a great intro to roasting chicken. And once you start making them, you will be opening up your world to many different types of diverse roast chickens. One, you'll notice how easy it is and honestly how cost effective it is. Oftentimes, I find a a whole roasting chicken is less money than like a six-pack of chicken thighs at my grocery store, and you get a lot more meat on the bird than than a package of thighs. Once you start, I'm telling you, you will not stop. There's an amazing anchovy butter chicken recipe I make. There's a paprika chicken I make. There's an orange and rosewater roasted chicken I've made. The list goes on. I am opening the door to the rest of your life. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please reach out if you have any suggestions on how I can make this dish even better. Or if you're just looking for some of the roasted chicken recipes, the other roasted chicken recipes I just suggested, hit me up in the DMs or shoot me an email at Megan at thehcgpodcast.com and I will let you know my uh, cadre of (laughs) roasted chicken recipes. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Home Cook's Guide. If you're loving the show, leave me a five-star rating and a glowing review. You can also follow me on social media at The HCG Podcast or shoot me an email at Megan at thehcgpodcast.com. And let's not forget, I spell my name the right way, M-E-G-A-N. Got any good recipes? Send them my way, please. And be sure to tune in every week for more delicious recipes.